I'm Derek Weekly, and welcome to episode 202 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. A massive thank you for uh, Kieran McNally, um, a friend of mine, came on last week to talk about pain. And uh, he's a pain and movement specialist, but he, he wrote a book around it. And uh, it hasn't come out yet, but I will let you know when it comes out. Um, you can support us on Buy Me a Coffee if you like. Link is in the description. Um, very fortunate to have uh, a guest this week. Um, he is a music journalist and the author of Bodies, Life and Death in Music, Ian Winwood. How are you doing, Ian? Hello, I'm fine, thank you, Derek. Hello uh, to you, hello to your listeners, and uh, <laughs> hello from a chilly London. It's. I was just going to say that because it is very cold here too. It's. Um, uh, yeah, I have a little radiator here next to me, which is kind of keeping me going at the moment. I think. I think I'm, I'm fortunate to be in that position to have this little thing here because it is very cold in this room. Um, you're. You're you've from. Got, you've got those burning police cars to keep you warm. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, uh, we have do. I, have, I just, have I just lost half of it? Have I just lost the room? They're gone. Right They're okay. gone. Right, yeah. Do you know, uh, really, uh, on that one, and I know when I contacted you, you mentioned about, I hope everything's um, all right over there. This was it's last safe, week. Yeah. And the night before I mentioned to you, I'd gone to see uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. And it was a brilliant gig and all that. And I, and I walked back to my mom's place. She lives in Dublin. So I walked back in there. The next night, Anne-Marie was playing in the, the same arena. And none of the people could go into the town then. So it was like a case of they were all kind of abandoned at the end of the Liffey down on the towards the docks. Yeah. And it was like taxis and people picking them up. It was absolute mayhem. Like, and that's just the kind of knock on effect, obviously. But we don't really see burning police cars in our our no. country that often. And it was obviously alarming. There's a lot of different reasons for it. But um, yeah, it was a very strange scene, Ian, for us to, to see that. So we normally just see it on the news. I remember when we had the London riots, which, mm. which your your listeners may remember, which I think I think were two thousand and twelve, and they went on for three three nights, three nights of full on rioting, not not in the day. And I remember on the either the second night or the third night, and I was somewhat oblivious because it mm. took some time to spread through the city, and and to some degree through the country. Forgive me, I know we've gone immediately into the weeds here. <laughs> Uh, and I remember going to Sainsbury's. I live in Camden Town, which some of your listeners might know if they've if they've come to London. It's kind mm. of a vibrant part of the city. And I went to Sainsbury's, and 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 Sainsbury's were closing at five o'clock. Normally, they back then they used to close at midnight. They close at eleven. And I noticed all the shops were closing. Mm. It was like you could just feel something, and it was like oh, something's really coming. It's a weird. It's it a weird crazy. feeling. Yeah. yeah. But again, sparked by a, a violent incident. Yeah. Um, um and, and 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 yeah, it's 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 really surprising and alarming to see I guess what we keep under uh what what we as society keep under wraps and it's quite yeah. close to the surface at all times. Obviously it sounds like in Dublin there were some malign forces at work. Um, but yeah, crazy how close we are to 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 completely. Yeah, it's it's just. Sorry, I, I start. I shouldn't have gone into that. Sorry. No, that's no, 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 not at all. I, I, so a question we always ask at the start, Ian, and and people might be thinking, this is a man in London. That's not a London accent. Um, can you give <laughs> us a history of your upbringing, please? Yeah, of course I can. I was born in uh, Barnsley. Um, which for anyone who doesn't know is in the People's Republic of South Yorkshire, sometimes known as the Socialist Republic of South yeah. Yorkshire. Uh, and I was born <clears throat> a, a long time ago, 52 years ago, 
uh, and I have been a Londoner. I don't know how it is in Dublin, um, but I like to think that if anyone comes to lives in London, say say if your good self or any of your listeners move to London, immediately you're a Londoner. Mm. So I've been a Londoner, like you are, like you you're a New Yorker. Mm. And I have been a Londoner since I was 19 years old. Um, so I have this, if if you hear a proper Barnsley accent, if you hear the, the poet Ian McMillan, for example, he makes me sound like Sir John Betjeman. You know, it's just, I'm just, I, I, I'm just not in the league. But to, to the untrained ear, apparently I have quite a strident Barnsley accent. It's, it's you know, when we watch... You know, there's a bit, there's bigger things to this as well. But when we watch TV here and on the BBC or Channel Four, uh, uh, you know, the the regular um, channels, mm. you know, we hear the London accent, and you know, we might hear the Manchester accent, um, but we don't hear as much the Barnsley accent. A bit of Leeds oh. sometimes. So it yeah. is. It's always interesting. I like. I talked about this on a few episodes ago about the idea of th- people being so close together in geographical location but having accents that are completely different i think it's very i like it i enjoy it the irish have it as well where we've a lot of accents for a small country and mm. obviously in britain it's the same thing and i i love hearing all these different accents i think they're great you know we have a man on our street in camden roy uh who is from cork mm. and it's like listening to a uh a a horse racing commentator at the end of a very exciting race. I think uh, uh, perhaps you'll know this as Irish people. He, he he's 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 speaking so fast yeah. that I it's I'm just like I am hanging on to the horse, trying to just keep with him. Yeah, what it's, he's saying. Um, uh, yeah. My so, mom is my mom is from Cork, uh, so I, I've I've spent a bit of time down there. It's very melodic. It's a it's a beautifully melodic. Yeah. Accent. Okay. Yeah, I, I really like it, and uh, but not all accents here are melodic, so it's it's all right. But but the other thing, Ian, we always ask as well, mm-hmm. and we will get into this more in the in the podcast. When did you first become aware of mental health? Uh, I, I as a, as a, as a terminology, probably quite recently. Yeah. To be honest with you, when I um, was thrust into the bewildered arms of the of the British mental health so in the mental NHS we have the NHS over mm-hmm. here the national health service um uh and um and I, things got really so bad for me that I, I I became a person of interest to the mental health services here and I guess that mm. is the correct answer and this would be sort of maybe 2017 yeah 2016 yeah. 2017ish uh and um but that's only in the sense that it was then given a name things yeah. were given a name like mental health is a name um working backwards i was then able to see this sort of weird behavior of of mine which i haven't really rid myself of i've just i've just helped i've just been largely able to channel it into into avenues that won't kill me really yeah um, but i recognize now sort of one of the diagnoses i i i had there's been a number of diagnoses that i, that I don't think are correct um I, I think that the mental health evaluation is um is in large part it, it, to a degree guesswork I, we're yeah. not 
it's not it, the it, it doesn't seem to me to be as advanced as physical mm-hmm. you know if you go if you present yourself at a hospital with your fibia sticking out of your thigh your femur sticking out of your thigh, thigh they don't go oh i think you've got tonsillitis yeah, you yeah. know but yeah. there has been uh, there, there have been um mental health professionals psychologists psychiatrists uh, who have disagreed with each other about what has ailed me. That's mm. that's what I mean by that. Um, but one thing that I do think is, was, is completely nailed on is impulse control disorder. Yeah. Uh, and I can recognize that. Looking back, I can recognize that in me and the child, you know, even when the ice cream van coming. I remember the ice cream van used to come every day. And... It would be how much ice cream can I buy? How much? And this mm. feeling that I needed, and and it's consistent. So I, I I guess on some level it's always been with me. But in terms of of thinking, okay, yeah, that's what that is. Quite recently. So, like obviously, I read bodies. I loved bodies. It was brilliant. Um, I found out afterwards that you were also involved with two Metallica books. Um which uh, I also have. And it was one of those ones, you know, the, what was the name of your co-writer in the Metallica books? Paul Brannigan. From, Paul Brannigan. Uh, from the Six Counties. Paul so, Brannigan. oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, but, so this is what happened, right, Ian? So I'm reading Bodies and I think, did this, was this published in 2022 or 2023? So you go back to the start, obviously. And then I see the Metallica books. Right. And I think They're like the Bibles when it comes to Metallica's music for me I think they're wow. incredible pieces of work the research that goes into it um, so I was I was very proud to have read obviously those two of your books as well and you know throughout Bodies you talk about different bands and um, you know different artists but what was the first record that you ever bought? The first record I bought or, or likely it was bought for me mm. Um. And I'm pleased that it's quite a cool, a cool record, a, a, a classic actually. Was Master Blaster, the single mm-hmm. Master Blaster by Stevie Wonder, which is an exceptional yeah. song. And I took it back, or I was driven back from Woolworths in Barnsley by my mum. I mean, it was must have been a cold day because we had the fire on. And they, I, not my lips to God's ears, this is exactly how it happened. And I put and I took the single out of the sleeve, and I was reading the bits in the middle, that are uh, the the you know the the credits and whatnot. I don't think I'd ever seen a record before. I'm not sure right. I had, to be honest. I, we didn't have a record player when I was a young child, and so we mu- we must have got a record player. And this was my first record, and I I raised my I imagine this is a camera shot. I raised my eyes. And the top half of the disc had had buckled and melted to the the fire. And I remember kind of running to my mum and saying, knowing the answer, but needing to ask anyway, mum, is this supposed to happen? And she said, no, love, it's not. And because I'm a spoiled only child and my mother is a fabulous, remains a fabulous mother, uh, she drove me back into town, which is a couple of miles away. Wow. Drove me back into town, and we bought another one. So that was my first, my first two. Wow. What like? Yeah. What an introduction to music in general, and obviously your love for it started there. But like, how does someone come about? How do they think about 
becoming a, a music journalist. How did that come, come about? Again, my mum, uh, th- this 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 weekly, but at the time actually fortnightly magazine. There's a big backstory about how yeah. I discovered my first issue of Kerrang! And I, and and I did an interview recently on on for BBC Six Music. It's interesting what you learn about doing this, and uh, that's going to be actually broadcast n- next week. It'll right. probably have been broadcast by the time this is broadcast, Eric. But I told the whole preamble in a in a twenty minute interview, and it was sort of like, "Shut up! You just edit. You edit yourself on the yeah. page. You edit yourself when you're talking." So anyway, I became aware of this magazine called Kerrang, mm-hmm. which. Um, uh, all the, and it's weird, Derek, because at the time, I don't know if, forgive my, my imperialist blindness here for not knowing if Kerrang is available. No, it's, it certainly is. It's, right. Yeah. Okay. Fabulous. I've, I've been on assignment to mm. Dublin numerous times. Um, uh, so, so at the time, people think that Kerrang is a metal magazine and mm. it, it, it's not quite correct to say that it is of course it covers those bands but kerrang is an is an onomatopoeia it, it's a word that sound that it's a word that sounds like the word that it the, the mm. thing it describes i always think slush is a great word. yeah that's a good one yeah. yeah it's fabulous isn't it swing even yeah anyway kerrang it's the sound of a guitar hit with force uh so it's bands that give it some welly it's loud music um and at the time, and that was great because I'm not, although I've, there are numerous metal bands that I, I like, I'm not a metal head really, um, but I do love kind of energetic, loud music. Um, and it wasn't a great period in Kerrang's history. It was sort of, I didn't really like many of the bands that it covered. It hadn't really yet started doing Metallica and the younger bands that would catch my ear. There was a lot of sort of hair metal and, and rubbish, actually. Yeah. But there was something about the way it was presented. And I, I do write about this briefly in, in Bodies, mm-hmm. in the book, um, that just sort of caught my eye in a way that the enemy and Melody Maker hadn't i just felt that i was on its wavelength and, it, and and more importantly its its writers were on mine and it was never on the back foot it was never superior or snobby it was a people's magazine yeah. that's a, that's yeah. what it was i don't know if i've ever actually right figured that out but yeah it was a people's magazine um and i I used to be unable to sleep uh, on the Tuesday. Come out on a Wednesday, and it, I would be unable to sleep on the Wednesday uh, on the Tuesday night. It would always be a terrible night's sleep because I was so looking forward mm. to it. And then it went weekly. Anyway, this coincided with you. you, you when a parent asks their their child, "Have you had to think about what you'd like to do when you leave school when you grow up?" I, I don't think I've ever quite done, but when you grow up, and, and my mum asked me that question, and I said, um, I said, yeah, I, I, I'd like to. I didn't even say I'd like. I want to be a music journalist. I said, yeah, I, I'd like to write for Kerrang, mm. as if that was a thing. Yeah. And um, and she said, um, well, somebody does those jobs. I don't see why it shouldn't be you. And and Good there point. we were. Took me a long time to get onto Kerrang. Actually, it took yeah. me another fifteen years. I was twenty nine when I finally finally landed yeah. a gig there um but yeah that was always my destination planet kerrang it's it's amazing that 
the assignments that you all of a sudden get sent on like it's not just go down the road to a to a pub like and maybe sometimes it is but i mean sometimes you're yeah. sent across the across the world and you you travel to so many places and like you said you you were 19 when you started 29 you, tw- sorry 29 was old you were yeah an old, an old an old journalist at that stage but but that kind of thrust you into a different world altogether when you when you are you know, following bands or being interviewed or sorry, interviewing bands and things like that. Um, You talked about impulse uh, earlier and, and that kind of idea. And you, you talk about drug taking a lot in the book and the stuff that mm. you got into. Um, Is all of that like a destructive package? You think if it it's, it's not just you, they think if that anyone was in the position that you were in with that in, impulse control problem, that it could have happened to them too. Yeah, we went. My wife and I, Ruth, went to see a film last night, and mm. I took umbrage with. Uh, we have. I don't know. Again, forgive me. I don't know the system in Ireland, but here in the UK, you have a, a little. A, 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 the certification comes up, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it, it was a fifteen film, and it tells you what to look out for. Like okay. Little, little yeah. And it said offensive language, drug misuse. Right. Okay. The film was Maestro. That the. the oh the, yeah. Biopic of, uh, of of Leonard Bernstein, uh, a, a brief drug misuse, and what you had was a scene where Leonard Bernstein and his, his some of his friends are taking cocaine, but they take no more than a line each. Okay, and I sort of took issue with that because that's drug use. Okay, drug is illegal. Don't get me wrong; I'm I'm aware of that, but that's drug use. That's not drug abuse mm. or even misuse. It's drug use. Uh, in the way that having a pint is not alcohol. Yeah. It's just having a pint. I um, was a drug abuser. That's There's no doubt about that. I just could not. Um, and, and, now, that's not to say that I didn't, that I did it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be wrong to say that. I, di- I didn't. But when I did it, and, and and it became more frequent. Now, I'm aware that probably in the pubs of Dublin, up in Temple Bars, or, 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 you know, certainly here in Camden, and maybe in Barnsley as well, yeah. it's probably not, I'm not suggesting that this is a unique world. Um, where, uh, people generally know how to get hold of this stuff, it seems to me. But the ecosystem of the music industry, and we're going back sort of 20, 22, 23, sort of between 23 and and 10, and, mm-hmm. and 10 years ago, perhaps. Uh, I, I, it would be wrong to say that everybody was taking drugs. That's not correct yeah. at all. Um, but no one seemed to, to be in any way perturbed that they knew that people were taking drugs. And if they were perturbed about it, and if they were offended by it, and there are reasons to be offended. um, One of the things that was really important to me to mention in bodies, uh, and I do it very quickly, it only takes a couple of sentences, but I I really have never seen it before in a book of of its kind, is the sort of, just how deeply, deeply unethical the cocaine trade is there are there are communities that have been bludgeoned into submission that are that are dangerous dangerous places 
uh, untold numbers of civilians murdered for this trade, you know, people who wouldn't dream uh, back in the day, people who wouldn't have dreamed of buying South African fruit, mm-hmm. you know, before before the before the end of apartheid, were happily hoovering up uh, a, a, at least an equally a, a more equally vile trade. So there are reasons to be offended by mm-hmm. it. Um, above and beyond its illegality, uh, and but if they were offended, they certainly didn't feel it. Certainly wasn't a safe space to say so. Yeah. Um. So you had that ecosystem, and you had sort of a man of my appetites. Um. And it sort of yeah, it was it was a it was a. Uh, a very um, fertile petri dish for to, for, for to create a monster for me. Yeah, it, is it or was it hard to talk about or to write about? I when I when I bodies was an incredibly difficult book to write, Derek, but likely not for the reasons that you perhaps think mm. it was. Um, when I started it, I did not have the technical skill required to write the book that it became. Okay. Uh, because it, in, 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 and I find it very difficult to explain what the book is, even now. Um, I mean, the, the, the expanded edition with an extra chapter came out this year, but originally it came out last year. The, the, the book in its, its, its slightly smaller form, shorter form, came out this year. And I, I've been very lucky uh, that people have, have, have asked to speak to me about it. And that, and it's lovely. I really love it. I love doing all of this. But I'm terrible at describing what the damn thing is. And it's in part a memoir and it's, a part, it, it's in part a piece of journalism and it's storytelling and it's, it's, it's sort of... And, and, and on one page, it's very, very serious, incredibly serious in some places. But then quite quickly, it becomes, at least I hope, funny. Yeah. And it's I didn't have the skill to pull off that kind of roller coaster ride without it without people flying out of the car. Yeah, without my reader flying out of the car because the handbrake turns were too were too. It was just too jolty, you know. It just didn't work. Uh, and so it took it took eleven drafts to get it right. It was like painting. It was like painting the the Golden Gate Bridge or the mm. Humber Bridge. You'd get, you'd paint it, and then you get to the end, and you'd have to start again. Yeah. Because while the end was brand shiny new, the beginning was looking a bit tatty again. Uh, and what I thought I would have, so that was the really difficult bit. What I thought I would have to do, because there are some really stark revelations yeah. about myself in there, and I thought that well, this is going to be really difficult to put down on the page. Uh, so maybe I'll write it in third person, as if it's about someone else. So he. Mm. He, uh, rather than I, and uh, as if I'm to kind of fool myself that I'm writing about someone else, and it was actually the easiest part of the gig. I mm. loved doing it. There's something that's that I'm quite embarrassed by that happens at the end of chapter nine, and I, I do that. That's the exception that proves the rule. Mm. But it was a blast writing about this kind of depravity, because if I'm telling a story. Derek about a musician that has taken their own life, which is ha- which happened, which yeah. is an example from the book. And that musician's brother, who was also in the band, is speaking to me. 
and he's never really spoken about this to a journalist, and I'd never met him before. No. Uh, I, 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 I have, I have a that's precious cargo. Yeah. I have, I have a duty of care to that story, uh, and and other stories as well, notably one involving a notorious Welsh band. This yeah. is really precious cargo. But if I, if it's me, these are my stories that yeah. happen to me. I can present those any way I like. I can crack wise if I want to. So that was quite liberating. And yeah, I found it, I found it remarkably and surprisingly easy. It, it is a book. I, I was talking to people about it as I was as I was reading, like I normally do. If I'm enjoying a book, I'll be like, I'll start telling people about the book. So wow. I was talking about the book and the, the idea of of what it was about came up. And, you know, I gave it to them in, in kind of sections because I, I felt that that's what it was. You know, like you mentioned, there's a lot of different things. But Frightened Rabbit, you mentioned the band Frightened that's Rabbit right. in the book. And I hadn't... Um, they weren't. The, the, I probably heard the name, but I hadn't heard their music. But like you say, the singer took his own life, unfortunately, and his brother talks to you about it in the book, and the pressures of of and maybe regrets of doing things that they that they wish they hadn't done. But yeah. I went back and listened to the music then, and I sent it on to a friend, and the two of us are like spellbound by the, the this this genius of of this music. It was it's right. incredible. It's incredible, right. and I look. I don't know if I looked at it then from a different perspective because I knew what happened to the singer and what he was going through at the time and especially on a, this Letterman performance that they went they went on to Letterman and performed mm-hmm. there and uh, I was deeply moved by the by the whole thing and when you talked to me there about like you know speaking to his brother who hadn't done that that like you said that there's a there's a way to it then and there's a certain expectation on you I suppose then of how to write about this subject in a certain manner you speak beautifully about, um, you mean about your own mental health. You, you do add humor to it as well, you know, yeah. and that's, I guess that's, you know, that's your style, which is brilliant, you know, that you can do that looking back now. But you went through a hell of a time. Um, and, you know, that, that spoke to me loudly. And that's when I wanted to contact you to see if you come on. Um, the same way when you talk about your drug, your drug use, like, is this a different way that you look at it now of, uh, looking back at a person who was obviously damaged or or felt damaged, and what do you take from that now? From that person you saw, uh, I think that I if I it, let let me answer this question mm-hmm. with full honesty, which I don't think I understood when I wrote the book. Uh, I, at no point. So there's an incident that that is the central plank of the book. It's the only thing I keep under wraps. It's the central plank of the book, of the personal aspect of the book, the the memoir aspect of the book. And it involves the death of my father. Now, that's not a spoiler because I tell the reader in the introduction that that, that he no longer walks among us, that Eric Winwood no longer walks among us. But uh, the story of his passing is the big reveal in the centre of the book. Now, I've had better days, mm. and I, I'm certain that he also has had better days than the day he died. So I don't imagine that it was beneficial to my mental health yeah. that day. I don't think. However, I do now wonder 
if what really because it, it's after that 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 uh, tragedy that things really that the handbrake really comes off the car and I'm really really skidding uh, uh, into into life threatening behaviour. And I wonder now, because with the death of the death of my father, it meant that I got as one of his. It was me as his eldest son and my half brother and a half brother, and that was it for dependents. So we got half of his estate. Now it wasn't a it wasn't a life changing amount of money, um, but it was sixty four thousand pound. I'm not. I don't know why I'm being coy. Which is enough to go crazy with mm-hmm. for a, a, a couple of years, and that's duly what I did. And I do wonder that without that financial emancipation, what might have happened to me? Because you know, unless you're sort of just drinking a bottle of of, of whiskey a night, which wasn't really my thing, alcoholism it was never really my thing. Mm-hmm. Cocaine was sixty pounds a gram, you know, yeah. back back then. That's so you know, sixty, seventy euros a gram. It's probably it's cheaper now, but that's a lot. So it, it kind of you kind of regulated by how much you can afford. And suddenly, I can I could afford four or five grams a, a night, and I spent all of the money on that. I blew the whole lot. I bought a couple of suits, but that's and I went to Australia. Because I'd always wanted to go, but that aside, I certainly blew. I spent. I certainly spent fifty thousand pounds, and I wonder if it wasn't just. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. If it wasn't just the money mm-hmm. that 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 allowed me to just binge on this kind of impulse control disorder mindset, really, uh, and 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 I do think I do. I I, I do increasingly think about. Uh, what it, what might have happened had you know he, I, had he not died for one thing, or had he died and I inherited his you know stack of crappy spy novels that he liked to read you know, um, <laughs> so I think that played a big part of it, and yeah. I didn't I didn't know that when I wrote the book I, I, it had not occurred to me. I I found it you know you mentioned a notorious Welsh band we can also mention. Um, uh, Biffy Clyro, the 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 profiles. They're not, they're not the notorious. They're, no, they're, they're they're not the notorious Welsh band. Just to get that out there, but you know those kind of profiles of bands, which I've always loved. You know, I've always loved. Like, I, I know I talked about your Metallica books, which are a bit more expansive, obviously. But yeah, profiles of bands and and how a, a journalist follows them and how he sees them and maybe gets maybe gets attached to them in a certain way, like a fondness for, you know, just chatting with them or, or obviously their music as well. I do love that kind of thing. How do you, you know, you've seen and talked to a lot of bands. How do you pick the ones that you wanted to put in the book? Uh, I was very, I was very deliberate about that. Um, and and it's weird because I keep thinking about uh Artists, I think, oh, they would have been good. As if this is kind of an ongoing organism <laughs> that I can add to and subtract, subtract from. I was thinking last night that the darkness would have been mm. good because they, they are certainly in the UK attained, 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 attained a, 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 a un, uncommon degree of fame. Yeah, three nights at Wembley Arena. 
And then they went away and recorded a new album and they couldn't fill Alexander yeah. Palace, which is, I think they got about 5,000 people at Alexander Palace. That's terrifying. Um, I picked people who I thought would serve the story mm. uh, well. Um, in so far as I could figure that out, bearing in mind I was essentially making things up as I went along. Okay. <laughs> There's quite a lot cut out of bodies. Okay. There, could be, there could one day be a, a bonus disc version yeah. of, of the offshoots that I cut out. Um, one of the criticisms I've had of the book, and I think it's fair because I would criticise it myself, is that it's quite a male book. Okay. Um, now, having said that, there is a section that deals with sexual abuse mm-hmm. and the bullying of, of females in the music industry. And that's supposed to be like a self-contained section that says, I am aware of this. I'm not blind to it. So I did contact three, in my defense, I did contact three female musicians, two of whom privately told me they didn't want to speak with me. Um, One of whom I'll, I'll tell you who it is. The third one, the third one was skin from skunk and Nancy. Oh yeah. Um, this is quite a white book as well. Um, Skin from Skunk and Nancy, and I tried to get her twice. And I sort of know her to say hello to, but mm-hmm. nothing more than that. She might know my face. I, I, I don't imagine she knows my name, yeah. or remembers my name. Um, and I thought, oh, she'll be, she'll be fabulous at this. You know, a, 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 fa- a fabulous talent, female person of color, lesbian, um, not to sound cynical, that's great, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's great, but 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 not for that reason. For that reason, for, for what she had to say, or what I hope she had said. Twice I was knocked back, and when the book had gone to press, I was able to interview her for a, a, for a, a publication, not not the book. And I said, oh, I would have been lovely to talk, speak to you. I'm so sorry you couldn't do it. And she had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, and she said. I would have talked to you and I would have spoken to you. And what can you do? Yeah, you know? I know. So I, I, I was aware of it. I've forgotten the original question. I'm so, I'm so busy doing the woe is me. No, no, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, it was but these, these feminists <laughs> getting on my case. Yeah. I tried. It was the, it was that thing of just basically like picking the, the, the band yeah. that you wanted to, to have in it. You I, know? I, rem- I remembered, I remember doing, uh, Biffy Clyro mm. for the, te- I write for the Telegraph over here, which is a crazy right wing broadsheet newspaper, but the culture section is great and yeah. I, and, and it's politics are not my own, but I, in terms of a, of a, a free, uh, the freedom to write what I yeah. like. Incredible gig, um, and I, I, they let me interview Biffy. Uh, this was the summer of twenty 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 twenty, yeah, twenty twenty, and um, what a weird time. Yeah, uh, and I, and I was, I want, I was going to ask Simon Neal, the singer and songwriter, principal songwriter. Uh, I was going to ask him if he'd speak to me, uh, and I said, uh, I said to him, and I know him well, and I said to him. Um, Simon, I'm writing this book about music and mental, and I, I got to music and mental hurt, and he said, I, I, "I'll, I'll, I'll, mm. I'll, do you like me to speak to you? I'll speak to you." And his, his, I would suggest that his is no, that's unfair to other, other, other interviewees that that, that appeared, but his contribution is in, 
incredibly valuable. Yeah. Because for the first time, it's chapter six, and for the first time, I sort of give the reins of the story mm-hmm. over to someone else. Yeah. And we see the music industry through his eyes and, and, and through a band that aren't particularly renowned, at all renowned, actually, for, for wild or crazy behavior. Mm-hmm who are as unified as any band, certainly, that I've ever encountered. You know, the rhythm section are twins. Yeah. And the third member, Simon, they've known him since they were six years old. This is not a marriage of convenience. Yeah. You know, these aren't people that have answered an advert on, on, on a, on a news yeah. while looking for a drummer, no time wasters, please. <laughs> this is, and, and still it knocked them sideways yeah. on more than one occasion. Uh, it, it, priceless. He, his company yeah. is priceless to the book. Um, but yeah, I didn't necessarily want particularly famous people. I yeah. didn't necessarily want cool, quote unquote, cool bands. I just wanted people that would serve the story. And and um, and I, I, I got, with the exception of the female contingent that wasn't to be, I got really lucky, I think. Either that or my... My antenna is brilliant. Maybe a bit. Let's go a bit of both. Go a bit just, of both. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself some credit, you know. But, but I'm not, so, not going to be. I'm not going to be. Sh- I'm not shy about doing that, Derek. So <laughs> that's all right. encourage me. But I will say, I I I agree totally with you. Um, I obviously am aware of Biffy Clare. I have a couple of their albums, and I, I think they're a, 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 obviously a very solid band. He um, obviously I knew nothing about that. What went on with him? Yeah. Um, I didn't know anything uh, to do with it at all and his honesty within it and the idea of success coming and maybe the, him feeling that when all this happened that he let others down and that, you know, they would have been more famous if he'd just gone and done it. But then you kind of counterbalance that kind of argument, I guess, with the frightened rabbit thing of of, of yeah. maybe, you know, let's pull it back a little bit because it's gone too far, you know, and it, it, it's it's an incredible look into mental health and it's an incredible look you just mentioned there about the the sexual uh you know these the, you talked about the talked about the problem within the music uh, industry and the journalists who were getting abused and you know it just reminds me of how much is in the book because you know you forget certain parts and then it's ruined and you go the whole section that you bring up again that's why it's so hard to pin, pin down because you've you've looked into this you know so thoroughly how long does it take? Well, you do, I know you mentioned how many drafts it was, yeah. but how long did it take it from start to finish to write it? Farm to table, Derek, it took about 20, maybe 18, 18 months. Right. And then what happens is you get, you get, you see it in print, but what mm-hmm. you get, and is this a visual medium at all? Or is it, it is, a, but you can go over and grab something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. See my ass there, viewers. <laughs> That's all right. So this is this is the only copy I've got. Of this this is known as a proof, right? And this is sent out to you'd likely know this, Derek, but, but mm-hmm. for, for, for the for the viewers and listeners who don't, and this is what's sent out to reviewers. And this comes out a couple of months before the actual finished version that will be sold in the shops. And I've taken stuff out of this. I've got. I've looked through this and thought, yeah, there's there's a little bit here and about about a great band called Jellyfish. Yeah. That I thought, I see, I don't need that. It just drags the story out of shape. Um, if you'll allow me a terrible name drop, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day yeah, once, once said to me, um, Billy, my, my dear friend Billy Joe Armstrong, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day once said mm-hmm. to me, 
that to make truly great, to make work worthwhile work, to make something worthwhile creatively. He was talking about music, but I think mm -hmm. it applies. You have to sacrifice your ego. Yeah. Sort of just look and think this isn't this bit's not working. This bit is working. Didn't matter if something took me three months to put together or a month to put together. If if I knew it in, deep down it wasn't working, I cut it. Just be be ruthless. Sacrifice your ego. So anyway, what happens is you get one of these and you're able to make selective changes. Yeah. I tested the patience of my publisher, uh, and to the point where I was making changes. On the day that it went to press properly, I really? was requesting changes, just bits that were buggy. I wake up to this is again my lips to God's ear. I wake up in the middle of the night and go, yeah, that bit's that bit's just not that word isn't mm. quite right, you know. And you have to go page two hundred fifty-seven, line seventeen. Yeah. So it's really it's far. Um, if God forbid, touch wood. Uh, this won't happen. But if you, ha if anyone listening to this feels they have a book inside them, um, and we, and we, we're visited by another worldwide pandemic that forces us to shut down, uh, to be locked down, then's your time to write the book. <laughs> this is a lockdown book, and I, I, I'm not sure of the, of the chronology in in uh, in the Republic of Ireland, Derek. But we had a monster of a second yeah. lockdown. Yeah, uh, it went from I can tell you exactly where it went from because it was the day before what was supposed to be my wedding. So the wedding, oh, that's got, right. The wedding got, but for the third time, that was yeah. the wedding got postponed. We, we we managed it in the end. A year later, the wedding got postponed, and we didn't come out of it again until May, so yeah. December to May. And I really, truly don't really remember the lockdown at all. I just remember writing a book yeah. so it was it was it was a great time to write it the only thing it was a great time for obviously, yeah great time to write a book well you know it's funny that my last guest who i mentioned earlier on did the exact same thing wrote his book during lockdown and and, and again it's coming out uh hopefully this month so it's it's amazing i i am um, I want, yeah, it's, uh, I, I was lucky to get you the one, the copy with the extra chapter in it. So the more, okay. the more reading for me, you know, and I obviously I, I do love that. Um, but you know, when you write about like a subject like Metallica, for instance, because mm. I mean, you, and this isn't any disrespect, disrespect to Biffy Clyro, but they, I'm sure they'd agree that Metallica are like, you know, with regards to giant bands, they are one of the giants. Um, is it daunting for you and for Paul, obviously, as well, to approach that subject? No, no, okay. no, it's not. To be and, honest, but, but you're not like this, this is from someone else. He doesn't write, but I, I just worry, and maybe you don't worry about these things at all, Ian. And if you don't, great. But you know, if you get so like not that you're going to get something wrong, but if something's maybe you know borderline right or wrong, you'll have all these little you know, trolls and things coming into the comment sections or wherever they can to kind of go, well, that's not actually right. You know, that kind of pushback that even if it's from people who, you know, are, are just doing it in comment sections, hmm. that doesn't bother you at all, no? No. Good. There, there, no, not at all. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. um, I've never been asked that before. Who, who cares? Um, there is interesting. Here's something interesting. This is a scoop for you. Good. Uh, there is, I won't mention it on the podcast in case, uh, the incident on the podcast in case 
Metallica, the mighty boot of Metallica lands on you as well. Yeah. Uh, but um, there, there's a, 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 we recall an incident involving Lars, mm-hmm. Lars Ulrich, the drummer, in the second book uh, that we knew had to go in the book. It, yeah. It's something that he's not proud of. And it had never been reported in the press, and we knew it had to go in the book. Otherwise, it was just PR. We were yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we knew it had to go in. We had someone who saw the incident, who went on the record for us anonymously, and agreed that if it went, to, if we got sued by Metallica, she would, he or she would, uh, would, uh, would take the witness stand and, yeah. uh, and and verify what it was, what it was we had alleged. Uh, and I had asked Lars about it in interview, and he said, "No, that's a private matter." Okay. Um, uh, and the book came out, and uh, you know, bearing in mind that the second edition, which which is it's in a book called Into the Black, came out. I, I forget two thousand and twelve, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, neither Paul nor I have been allowed anywhere near Metallica since. Oh. Uh, so, and, and between us, we'd probably interviewed them forty times prior to that. Wow. To Metallica, I've been, I've been on Metallica's private jet, so um, we were just cast out of that that uh, that ecosystem. And I don't think we'll ever be allowed to return. Um, but if you're going to write something, write the truth and write what yeah. you know. You know, I, I think it's I, I can be I can bore for England on this. Uh, to be honest with you, and if we rejoin the European Union, I can bore for the EU about this. It is not my job. It's not my job to. to it's not my job to be running about starting fires and picking fights for the sake yeah. of. But absolutely, it's not my job to be an unpaid, unpaid by the music industry, an unpaid uh, part of a band's or a record company's PR department. That's not. That's not in my job description. Uh, and if one thing has really changed in in my lifetime as a, a music journalist, particularly for music only publications, and get away with the, the Telegraph let me write a hit piece on Metallica just like earlier this year because I've just reached the point where I hate them so much. Now I, I realise that the that the, the opposite that the opposite of love. Hate isn't the opposite of love. Yeah. Indifference is the opposite yeah. of love. And I have come to hate Metallica. Okay. Not it's completely unrelated to me being excommunicated. They're just phoning it in. They're greedy. Yeah. They're just uh, they're, they're, oh, uh, they 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 almost turn my stomach. To be honest, <laughs> I, uh, I I I have this thing about Metallica. So. When I was when I was quite young, I had tapes at the Metall- Metallica on cassette tape, and um. And then, like, loads of people tell this same thing, but, but th- there's a truth to it that, you know, when Nirvana came along, I thought, well, I don't need Metallica anymore. Oh. Now, yeah, that was, for me, they they didn't really matter that much anymore. So then they kept brought out Load and Reload, and I listened to them, and I was like, yeah, they're actually not very good. But obviously, I still appreciated their earlier music, which I really liked. And you're, like, then the Napster thing happened, and it was like, oh, Jesus, I don't, I don't think that looks good for... Well, you know, I can understand why you're annoyed, but you know, you're a massive band. Um, and then, right, yeah, they, no, absolutely, because yeah. we can't just allow having, you know, the the, the idea of because if it was if it was still happening now, be carnage in the music industry. But you know, unfortunately, it was Lars that was doing it, and pe- people don't like Lars. It's just the fact of, of of life. But I enjoy 
reading about Metallica more than listening to them. So when your book came out, the first one, I was like, this is amazing. And that obviously I had to wait for the second one. Not that long, but I had to wait for the second one. And I, they're a band that I love reading about the lore of Metallica rather than, I wouldn't stick Metallica on to listen to them in, uh, you know, any, okay. it's just, it's, it, they're just not for me anymore. I don't know why. Well, my problem is, I'm sure this is really destroying their self-confidence. Yeah, no, I think they'll be all right. My, my, my problem is that there's a there's a uh, a, a, a no a theory that that I have a lot of sympathy with that a band does its best work, a band does their best work in the first seven to eight years, yeah. and it's not universally true. Green Day went mm-hmm. much longer. Excuse me, I burped. Sorry, sorry. Green Day went much longer, and some do, you know. Yeah. But you'd be surprised for how of how often that's true. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever been more true for anyone but Metallica. <laughs> for, any, for Metallica, it's more true than for anyone else. Now, in the 90s, they were, they were, they were still fascinating because yeah. they worked so hard not to repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was honor. It was that intent was truly honorable. And even Saint Anger, which is a dreadful record. This is terrible. Is 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 brand new thinking. Yeah. Brand new thinking. And but then that was twenty years ago. And since then they have sort of been like a they've become a Metallica, they've become their own tribute band. Yeah. I've said that before, but they've become their own tribute band. And it's they're just it, Actually, it, can I ask you, Ian? Yeah. Can, can I ask I you? It's so disappointing. Yeah. Can I ask you then what you thought of some kind of monster? Uh, I thought it was, again, it's the most interesting thing they've done in the last 20 years, with mm. the exception of Lulu. They made an album with Lou Reed called yeah. So Metallica are still able to access that fucking weird side of themselves. Yeah, really that's strange that's weird. Themselves. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. And fabulous. Good for them. That, 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 I want that. Mm. I, don't, I don't just want this nostalgia now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this you know, gouging the fans. Yeah. Some kind of monster. I write about it briefly in the book, just very quickly. Uh, I was, I I tell this story in the book. I was the first person to interview Metallica. Uh, I interviewed them on the day that Robert Trujillo joined the band Mm. at their HQ in, uh, in San, San Rafael. San Rafael. I think it's San Rafael. It's in the book anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and they hadn't been interviewed for literally two or three years. Uh, and it had all completely fallen apart and they were trying to put themselves back together. And I was filmed by the film crew. For, I was filmed by Joe Berlinger, the co-director of Some Kind of Monster, and his film crew. Like I wasn't nervous enough. Yeah. And um, and I had to sign a release form. You have to sign a release form. Mm. And you have to have your photograph taken. And at the time, they didn't couldn't say or certainly weren't telling me what the project was, what shape the project would take. Um, it would be, um, it might have been the, the 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 series, the reality show, The Osbournes, was okay. incredibly popular back then about Ozzy and his family. They wondered if it might be that kind of thing, or, or but what they wanted or what they hoped for was the feature film that it became. So, Julie, I spent the next sort of year, it came out in 2004, some kind of mm. monster. I spent the next year telling everyone who would listen, everyone I knew and many people I didn't know that I was going to feature in the next, in this upcoming film about Metallica because I'd been told that I would. Yeah. 
and um as I say in the book, I could I can only marvel at its ability to tell its story without me. And <laughs> I, I remain on the I remain on the cutting room floor. I'm not even in any of the extras. No, it's not fair. You know? it's and not I think fair. It, I think it's remarkable because what the answer to the question yeah. that you asked 15 minutes ago, Derek. I think it's remarkable because it it needs to be it, it needs to be placed in the time that it was released. Yeah. I'm old enough that I think it's a recent thing, but it's not. Yeah. It's not a recent thing. It's 20, coming up 20 years ago that it was released. People didn't talk about this stuff then. Mm. We've, we've become much more used to people saying, need to take a break. I mean, it's a portrait, yeah. I haven't seen it, it's a portrait of a band going mad. Yeah. Collectively going mad. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, we're used to Arlo Parks and uh, Sam Fender uh, uh, n- numerous people saying uh, Yard Act did it, saying, "Do you know what we need to? We need yeah. to just work on our, our mental health." The idea of Metallica, a metal band, yeah, and with with this sort of alpha male frontman presenting themselves as being so fractured and yeah. broken by the weight of their creation, because that's all it is. Yeah. That's all that's done. It's Metallica, the Metallica thing. Monster has crushed its it's crushed its constituent parts, yeah. and to put that on a, 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 on on film and release it to your constituents is incredible. I, yeah. I, I, I have nothing. I cannot. I cannot speak. I mean, I wish it were, perhaps weren't directed in quite such a TV reality kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, where yeah. the reaction shots. But that's a stylistic. That's yeah, a that's a choice. Quibble. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a stylistic yeah. quibble. Yeah. It's substance. Bravo to Yeah, them. it's oh, great. Bravo. Uh, yeah. Because uh, m- m- musicians, sorry, Derek, I was just no, you're good. one of the problems musicians face is that they lack the vocabulary to uh to 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 complain about things that are justified. Mm-hmm. They are justified to complain about because they think uh well, you know, mates of ours, they work in, and I don't necessarily mean the worst jobs in, in, in Ireland, yeah. but they work in a call centre, you know, on yeah. the outskirts of Dublin. Or, or or they do a job that they don't necessarily love but don't necessarily hate either. And here are these people doing the thing, making a living from the thing they always dreamed of doing. Mm. Um, so they feel almost treasonous as if in, in complaining. About yeah, yeah. So they, become, they can become grateful. Yeah. When really they're not, because without them, none of this music exists. None of this yeah. business exists. And, and and they worry that it's so easy to be reductive and uncharitable and say, oh, God, you know, we played the O2 Arena, that's in, in London, or we played The Point in Dublin last night, and but we're knackered and we've, we've been on the road for too long. And you go, oh, my God, poor you. Yeah, yeah. Poor you. Must yeah. be so difficult. Yeah. Having 8, 12, 16, 20,000 people. Dude, de-dums. Yeah. And Metallica just kind of went bollocks to, to that. I don't know if they even considered it. And yeah. they presented a look inside the machine, and I think it broke open. And not for the first time, yeah. because Metallica had already broken music open. Yeah. And made music heavier and more interesting. Yeah, uh, and they did that again with with their you know internal fissures and 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 fractures. 
And I, 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 whenever I think about it, and I don't think about it all that often, perhaps I'm blinded by my hatred <laughs> yeah, that's of, a... of Metallica, but they absolutely, bra- bravo. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree 100% with that. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Here's, here's a tough question for you, Ian. Who's the greatest artist slash band in your opinion? Oh, I can't really answer that. I, 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 I've learned to make a distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between my favourite yeah. and the greatest. That's you know? that's fair. I think that's a very good way of putting it. So who's your favourite? Yeah. Uh, Green Day are my favourite. Really? Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, my favourite... Um, they are. Yeah. I, 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 I've, I've, got, I've actually got the new album, which is coming in January. Oh. Uh, outlaws and um and i don't listen to it i've had it for a few days and i don't listen to it in case it lets me down because i mm. think they're due a big one yeah um they're due a really good one and i'm not sure one i'm not I, I, hopefully they have it in them but yeah i love i love i love green day uh uh, but there's just so many. My favorite yeah. singer-songwriter would be Elvis Costello. Would mm-hmm. that that would be? Um, but there's just so much music, right, yeah. you know. And, and I think it doesn't matter actually. No, it respectfully. Um, there's. I've started listening to. My wife and I lived in New York for six months at the start of the year. My wife works for Penguin. Okay. Uh, the book, the publisher, Penguin, and. Um, she's quite a high up over there. So she was able to finagle a six months secondment to their Manhattan office. So we went and lived in New York and I sort of didn't go to many concerts because I discovered to my shock, this egregious assault on my human rights that in, in America, music journalists overwhelmingly have to pay for guest list places. Oh, really? I mean, I know, right? Your, your listeners will need to, will be shedding a tear on They'd my It's devastating. It, it's just the worst. Um, but I was able to, cause I was writing about it. I was able to get in to see a band called the dead and dead and company. Okay. It might not mean anything over here. It's the continuum band of the Grateful Dead. Oh. Featuring some members of the Grateful Dead and some members uh, 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 of uh, the drummer from Primus, actually. Oh. Uh, and ex-members of the Allman Brothers bands, John Mayer, who's enormous in the States. Enormous yeah. popular. And they played two nights at City Field, right? City Field is where the New York Mets play. Yeah. So that's like 100,000 people. Who, who are these bands? Yeah. And, never come over here they never come over to europe and i was just watching this band improvise and jam and play i went both nights and they played a completely different set both nights so i've sort of discovered this whole new i've lived in a mansion of music you know for certainly all of my adult life and all of my teenage life and it's like i know every every inch of this of this there are some rooms that i don't go in you know i don't I don't go in the hip hop room as often yeah. perhaps as I should, but I know it's there. But suddenly there's this whole new room that yeah. I didn't even know existed, full of these jam bands. Yeah. Who and I'm sort of this is then that's my latest thing at the moment. It's good. It's what? It's good that you can find still find yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Sounds like Goose and and yeah. you look and you so there's a very quickly, I know we're sort of running out of time here. Yeah. But there's a, an app called nugs.net. Okay. 
which I really recommend people you subscribe to it. If you're looking for something new, I can't recommend it high enough. And it's got things like, you know, hundreds of Springsteen concerts on there. It's right. All, it's all concerts. Yeah. I and and you, you you look through the A to Z list, you think, well, I've never heard of that band. Do you want me to do it now? Go so for it, yeah. Have a, have a look. A little let experiment. me do it again. So let me, let's go. And and this is how I do it, right? It's It's, forgive me, everybody. It's right. So let's go search. And we've got artist. Yeah. Okay, so we've got like A to Z on the artist. So let's, so we've got a band here called Alibaba's Tahini, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you go. Uh, all right, okay, so they're not so many. That's all right, that's a bad example. Cut that out. But let's, so you look and you'll go, uh, you can look up Kig. Uh, uh, I, 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 if this better work. Right, okay, and you look up these bands. So, yeah, I'm looking up Goose, right? Yeah. Called Goose, which I knew wouldn't let me down. And the first song, Hot Tea, is clocking in at 21 minutes, right? Wow. At a, at a festival in Oregon. And you, so you know yeah. that's a jam band. That's right? jam band. Or, 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 <laughs> and, and some of them are enormous in the States. You know, like Fish, yeah. Fish P-H-I-S-H. Yeah. We'll do 10 nights at Madison Square Garden. They're playing this. Yeah, it's mad. They're the ones after you two playing the sphere. And I've, I've just find this fabulous. So I'm, 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 I've sort of gone beyond um, what's the best. I, who cares? Yeah, who you're cares? right. It is. It's a redundant question, but I'm glad I asked it because then yeah. we, we found out about that. But one more question, Ian. And we always ask this. Um, what do you like to do in your spare time? I like to, I like to sleep. It's good. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I mean, I sort of, my whole life is sort of spare time, really. Okay, right. Because I write for a living and, yeah. and it doesn't feel like work to me. Although I do work fantastically hard at it. I do drive myself mad trying to get it right. I'm not, I don't want to give the impression that it's a DOS of yeah. some kind. It's not. Um, but yeah, I, I love to take an afternoon nap. If the if the football club and I'll take one after we've finished here, there's no doubt. If the football club I support, Barnsley Football Club, are playing anywhere near London, I will go and see them. We would have been playing Sutton today, which is in the FA Cup, which is in deepest South London. Um, but we got booted out of the FA Cup for fielding an, inel- an ineligible player. So that didn't come together. Well, you did get that the other day when you got a goal, uh, when the guy, they nothing just bumped wrong it. with that goal. No, nothing no, goal. no, I agree. There was absolutely no, nothing. Wasn't. It was... That should never have been a goal. Well, I don't know. I think the keeper was a little bit light. The, keeper, just... was, the keeper was dicking around, but I'm, yeah. not sure, I'm not sure he deserved to be bulldozed over. <laughs> Maybe. It was player. hilarious, though. And I thought of you immediately because you, nobody had ever answered to to an email uh, about like well I want to listen to my team on the radio that Three hasn't o'clock. happened to you. yeah that Three never o'clock. happened so I follow I lo- I loved it but um uh you know I'll always have uh, Barnsley on my mind now whenever I see Barnsley I'll think of you Please. yes I Please. will for sure you've been like honestly I honestly said to you already I can't thank you enough you've been a brilliant guest it's been oh, a lot of fun chatting you. Now. I think I garbled on in some places never I apologize Oh, no, I, I, I said, when I said I've learned to edit myself, it's an ongoing process. <laughs> that's that's all right. Sure. We're all trying to figure that out. Um, Ian, 
just stick with me for one minute. I'll just close it out. We'll get a quick photo of the screen. Like, of course. Uh, is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I also want to thank John for doing all the tech for me. I always thank my mum and dad, my granddad, <clears throat> excuse me, Jaron Calvin. We're on the YouTube and an Instagram, Facebook X. I should have said, go buy bodies. It's an absolutely brilliant read, as you maybe uh, be aware of my enthusiasm for it. Um, we're also, sorry, on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, etc. Thanks, everyone, for watching and, and for listening today. Once again, Ian, thank you so much. My pleasure. It really has been a pleasure. Thank you, Derek. And more Thanks a lot. power to your elbow. Thanks a million. All right, everyone. See you later. Bye.